0: The uh, title for my message this morning is The Heart of Romans. Chris kicked this off in Romans a few weeks ago, and he did a brilliant job of setting the scene of the context in which Romans was written, the time, and the, the Roman Empire, and the culture of the time, and how it's really not too different from the culture of our time today. And he talked about how Romans helps us to understand three really important things, our identity, Our purpose and our destiny, our identity. Who am I? People are asking that question all the time, trying to work out who I really am and where I belong. My purpose, what am I here for? What am I I doing here? What am I here to do? And my destiny, where is everything going? Where's my life going? Where's society going? Where's the world going? And we live in times where all of those things seem to be questioned and up for grabs, our identity, our purpose, and our destiny. But the Bible has very clear teaching to us, instruction to us, who we really are. And it starts with knowing who God is, that then we understand who we really are. Our purpose, well, we need to understand God's purposes. And then in that, we get to understand what we're here to do. And our destiny, well, we need to know what God's plan is and realize that everything is heading in that direction regardless of what else we might see around us and we align ourselves with his plan and his purposes and understand that he has a great destiny for us as his people. And then David shared, uh, I think it was last Sunday actually, and he talked about not being ashamed of the gospel. And he talked about how the, the gospel has power within it That's right. and it challenges yeah. The world's ways it challenges culture it challenges societal norms so Paul could start his letter by saying this I'm a slave of Christ to an empire where slavery was rife, and it was all about working your way up the social order and then Paul's putting his hand up at the very beginning of his letter and saying I'm a slave and I'm proud <laughs> I'm a slave I'm bond servant of Jesus Christ and he shifts everything and we understand that in the revelation of the good news, of who Jesus is, of what he's done, and our response to that, that it causes a revolution in our lives, and it's a revolution that's to change the world around us. And you know, all of these things refer to and revolve around is this, our heart. We ended last week by singing that last song, I Love You, My Lord, Giving To Does anybody know that song from back in the day? Because that one has been properly dusted off, hasn't it? It's kind of like, can, David said, can you find that song for me? So we got to the old archives, you know, where they were written down in stone and chiseled in, and we blew off the dust. And it's... But what I love about that song is it's singing scripture. Yes. Does anybody know what we're singing? Romans 10, yeah. verses 8 to 10. If you could put that slide up. It says this, the message. Now, then, I want you to think about the heart today, because that's what I want us to look at. Could you say with me, heart? Heart. And Romans, in in the letter, Paul refers to the heart 15 times. There's almost one reference to the heart every chapter. or he didn't write it in chapters. The chapters got added later. But three times, just in these three verses, the heart is mentioned. The message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And the message is... The very message about faith that we preach, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and is openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Paul is saying it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Now the word heart that's used here in Romans, is the word cardia. It's where we get our phrase cardiac, cardiac surgery, cardiology, all things revolving around the science of the heart and the understanding of the heart. If you put the next slide up. And it's quite difficult to pin down, really, what that word means. It's got multiple meanings. It's quite a a wide-ranging, inclusive word. But we understand, even today, we understand what I mean when I talk about the heart, it's really, it's at our core. It's at the core of our physical and spiritual life. And so it, it covers things like our soul and our minds. The soul, it represents my emotions. It's how I feel. It's my desires. It's the things that I'm passionate about. You know, one of the things that really, I, one, of the things, one of the times in my life where I really struggle to keep my emotions is when I watch whales play rugby. <laughs> I just, Sarah finds it hilarious. Well, she finds it hilarious, and then she leaves the house, because <laughs> there's just something in me, where where I'm watching them, my emotions get involved, and it's like there's something in my heart, where I just, I just want them to succeed, and they so rarely do. <laughs> but, uh, they're doing quite well at the moment, but it's our passions and our desires, and it's more than that, it's also our, how we think. It affects everything, what we think about, what we desire, our appetites, our desires, our emotions, our feelings, that's our heart, our soul, and our mind, but it's more than that, it's also our will and our, and our character, it's the thing that sort of drives us on, have you heard that phrase, I had my heart set on that, it's kind of, it drives us forwards, it's where we've got a goal, and our heart set on it, and so we, we kind of apply our will to get something done. It's related to our intelligence and our understanding. People will often say, yeah, I knew really in my heart of hearts. There's an understanding there. And it's just the innermost part. It's, it's, we talk about getting to the heart of the matter. And here's the thing. God is interested in our hearts. God looks at the hearts. We live in a society where everything is about the external. The age of celebrity, isn't it? Where it's What house you have, what car you drive, what clothes you wear. You know, things are Gucci. (laughs) It's about the brands. It's about the appearance. It's about he's got too much hair. He's not got enough hair. She's too skinny. She's too big. And everybody's too caught up in the externals. And, And you know what? That's been the case, really, from the beginning. There's always been an element where we've judged on the appearance. Does anybody be guilty of judging somebody based on how they look? without ever really getting to know them? We've all done it. I used to do it when I was a physio. I used to walk past the waiting area after lunchtime to see who was going to be my next patient, and I'd look at them, and I'd think, I'm going to spend 45 minutes with you next, and I'd make a judgment on whether I was going to enjoy that 45 minutes or not based on how they sat in the waiting area. How bad is that? God dealt with that in me. Don't worry. You were last week, yeah. But here's the thing. Samuel was doing it. He was a prophet, and he was trying to choose the next king. And up, lined up in front of him were all these really handsome, tall, athletic, just they looked like good kings. They would look good on stamps. That's what he was thinking. <laughs> and yet the real king, the king that God was after, was nowhere to be seen, and he was out in the field looking after some sheep. His name was David. And then all of a sudden David is brought to Samuel, and, and God says to Samuel, that's the man! And Samuel's like, really? He's a bit scrawny. He's a bit ruddy looking. You know, he's been out in the fields. And are you sure that's the one? And God says, absolutely, that's the one. I'm not like you, Samuel. I'm not like people. I'm not like mankind. I don't judge on the externals and the outward appearance. What I'm interested in and what I'm looking for and what I'm looking at is the heart. And here's the thing. Your heart matters most to God because at your heart is what matters most to you. At your heart is what matters most to you, and that matters most to God. And here's the challenge oftentimes, God's not even in the top 10, or He may not appear in the top 10, or He may just be kind of nudging His way into top three. But God wants to be, and deserves to be, and should be, and needs to be number one in our lives, our top priority. It's so important. And in Romans 1 and Romans 2, has anybody read those in the last few weeks in our reading plan, Romans 1 and 2? Paul talks about the heart. And he refers to the heart, and he talks about God judging. In Romans 2, 15 and 16, he says, God, or Jesus, will judge your secret life. And you read that, and you think, ooh. And the word secret life is the word cryptos. It's like the deep dark crypt of your life God is going to judge those things and what what's, where is that place? It's in our hearts yeah. God is examining our hearts, God is looking at our hearts and guess what? Judgment is good Judgment is good If you had a, a punnet of blueberries and in there are some rotten, mushy gunky, furry, moldy ones and in there are some fresh, healthy looking, plump, juicy, sweet ones Judgment is good, isn't it? Otherwise, you start eating fungus and mush instead of picking that out and then taking the good fruit. Well, God brings judgment, and judgment is good. And here's the thing: when our hearts are right and our hearts are good, the 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 righteous judge will judge us as being right. But the trouble is this: our hearts are in trouble. That's where Romans starts. Our hearts are in trouble. And in Romans one twenty one, if you turn in your Bibles to Romans one twenty one, please. You know, when I talk about our hearts being in trouble, Paul is writing, and he's talking about the challenge, the issue of sin. And that sin is selfishness. It's where I am at the center of my life, just as the letter I is at the center of the word sin. I am the most important person in my world, in my universe. And it separates us from God, and God has to judge sin. And the judgment for sin is death. talks about all of that in the book of Romans but in Romans 1 Paul is writing and he's talking about all of us he's not talking about a particular group of people at a particular time he's talking about all people throughout all time he says yes they knew God he talks about how in creation God is evident how I can look at the human hand and the intricacies of it and see behind it a designer God is in that Or I can look at a landscape or a mountain range. Or I can look at the sunset. Or I can look up at the heavens at night and see the stars in the sky. And there's evidences all around me that God is real. God is alive. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds, or an accurate translation, that word is cardia their hearts became dark and confused. It says this, our hearts became stupid and putrid, foolish and unclean. And then in Romans 1.24, in ignoring God and working out other ways of worshipping man-made things and, and created things, it says God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their hearts desired, and as a result they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And it talks about being shame-filled, self-loving. And in Romans 2.5, Paul says, you're stubborn. You have stubborn and unrepentant hearts and you refuse to turn from your sin. You're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. And you read these things and you think, we're in trouble. Our hearts are stupid and putrid. Our hearts are shame-filled, self-loving. Our hearts are, are selfishly obstinate and stubbornly obstinate. We need a change of heart. Now, I'd want just, I've got a minute-long clip of a picture of a man having a change of heart. Are you ready? <laughs> wow, what a transformation. There was a change of heart there, wasn't there? But why was there a change of heart? Because he knew he was caught. And you know what? The best will in the world, I'm sure he's a lovely guy deep down, But I wouldn't be surprised if you went around the corner, found a place that wasn't being under surveillance and did exactly the same thing again. Because that change of heart was only momentary. And that's the trouble, you see, with our own changes of hearts. We can change our hearts for only so long, but there's something within us that's unchanging. We cannot change ourselves. Our hearts are in trouble. That's what Romans tells us. We need a change of heart. And here's the thing. Only God can change our hearts. Only God can change our heart. In that Romans uh, verse, in in, in verse 121 that I referred to about our hearts being stupid and, and, and putrid and foolish, and we lack an understanding really of who we are and who God is, and we become impure and prone to selfishness. But here's the wonderful thing. If we're willing to surrender our hearts, if we're willing to call on Jesus and believe in him, if we're willing to put our faith and our trust in him, to believe and surrender and call on his name, God changes our hearts. Yeah. Here's a promise that was written hundreds of years before Jesus came, and it was a promise that would be fulfilled in the new covenant that Jesus would bring an usher in after his death. And God says this, and notice the emphasis, I will, this is God speaking, not you will or they will, I will. I will put my instructions Deep within them, and I will write them on their heart, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Can we see the change there? Yeah. No longer stupid and putrid, but actually all of a sudden, God is writing His instructions in our hearts. Writing His instructions in our hearts, and the transformation we read about is there to, to see it in, in Romans 2 verse 29. We just turn to Romans 2:29. God is saying to be a true person of God. I will be their God and they will be my people. Those people were called the Jews. But Paul writes and he says, you're not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. That's verse 28. He says, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, but rather a change of heart produced by who? By the Spirit, the Spirit of God. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. What's God saying? I'll change your heart. I'll make your foolish heart wise. I'll put my instructions within you. I'll come and bring you direction. There's a story of an old sea captain, a real sea dog. And he went on many voyages, and he'd done it for years. and He was a legend amongst all of the other sailors. And he had this little tradition as they left port, and everybody wanted to sail with him because he always got his men back, whether it was high seas and high winds, they always got back safely with all of the cargo that he needed to carry. And as they left the port, every time they left, the old captain would reach into his breast pocket just above his heart and he'd pull out a small locket. And he'd open it. And he'd look inside it for about just 20 seconds. And he'd nod and he'd he'd close it up and he'd put it back next to his heart. And off they'd go, and they'd always come back safely. And in the end, his, his service came to an end, and he retired, and then he shortly passed away afterwards. And when they were at his funeral, all of these men were gathered around, all these men who'd sailed with him. And next to his coffin was a locket, the locket that he had in his pocket. It rhymed, Dr. Zeus. And so they all gathered around, and the first mate picked it up, and they couldn't wait to see what was in there. Was it a picture of his old sweetheart? Was it maybe a map of the world? What could it possibly be? Maybe a piece of treasure that he discovered that always kept him going. And they opened it up, and inside was simply written four words. And they said this, starboard right, port left. <laughs> but you know, there's something that God wants to put in our hearts that always makes sure we go in the right direction. We know where we're going. We have wisdom in our hearts that brings us guidance that our hearts are sure, or sure, 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 I'm from the valleys, we so sure, I'm pure, and pure, in, in Romans 2:29, it talks about a circumcision of the heart, Now there are children in the room, so I'm going to be careful about what I say here, but there was an act, a physical act of removing a piece of skin from the male anatomy that was regarded to be unclean, And in an act of faith that Abraham started, God told him, I want you to remove this piece of skin. It's unclean. It's impure. I want you to cut it off. Circumcision took place. And it was a symbol of obedience to God, faith in God, and to say, God, we're yours. And now God is saying, you don't need to do that. Because my spirit will come within you, and he'll change your heart, and he'll purify your heart. He'll remove from you that uncleanness. And he'll give you a pure heart. Sure and pure hearts. Secondly, from shame-filled, self-loving, as it said in Romans one twenty-four. What does God say he'll do when we surrender our hearts to him? I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me, and they will never leave me. No longer am I shame-filled, self-loving. Now, all of a sudden, God's put within me a desire to love him, to worship him. Can you turn, please, to Romans 5, verse 5? Listen to these words. Romans 5, verse 5. Talks about the hope that we have in Christ. This confident assurance that we have in Christ. We're no longer we ignore God or relegate him and we love ourselves more than God, but actually now God will put a desire in our hearts to worship him and it says this, and we know that this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Do you know what God wants from you and me? He wants us to empty our hearts. He wants us to surrender our hearts. Why? So that then he can fill them. We come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I'm laying everything out before you. I'm emptying my heart of everything. And then the Holy Spirit says, great, now I've got a space that I can fill. And he comes and he fills our hearts with God's love when um, when Sarah and I got married I'd lived by myself for probably well since 18 really and I got married when I was 25 for 7 years and for a month before well, our actual wedding day I lived in the house that we would bought our first home and then Sarah would move in after we got married that still blows people's minds that we didn't live together or sleep together until after we were married but there you go that's God's way and, it, and, and what happened was this The house that I'd lived in for the last month and a house that I'd lived in for the last previous years, when Sarah moved in, became a home. Became a home. Instead of being kind of this functional base where I had the stuff that I kind of liked or needed, all of a sudden, there were like cushions (laughs) and baskets. Sort of ornamenty things, but they weren't chintzy or awkward. They were fragrances now. Things just felt softer and warmer and more welcoming. People actually wanted to come and visit. But when I opened the home up and Sarah moved in, she filled the house and made it home. And when we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, you know, we've been trying to do our own thing. He comes and he makes it home for himself. And he fills us with God's love. And it's a wonderful thing. All he asks is this, open your heart up. Open your heart up. Let me change you. Sure and pure to... And and spirit-filled, holy spirit-filled God's love. All of a sudden, God's love comes and I begin to realize, God, you love me. God, I I love you. I've just realized. (laughs) God, I I love this person. I really didn't like them before, but I'm actually starting to feel a love for them. Why? Because God's filling us with his love. Why? Because I'm trying harder or I'm trying to be better... Or I'm doing really good at the moment. No, it's because He's come and He's filled my heart with His heart, with His love, by His Spirit. And the thing is, we can start on this truth when we first believe, and then we, soon f- we can forget that it's constantly, Lord, fill my heart. Lord, take my heart. Lord, make my heart sure. Make my heart pure. Lord, make my heart full of Your love, Spirit-filled love. And then lastly, from stubbornly obstinate, to soft-heartedly obedient. If you could just put the next slide up for me. Stubbornly obstinate to soft-heartedly obedient. Could you just turn to Romans 6, 17? I love this. Anytime there's an exclamation mark, I, I'm, I'm a bit prone to use an exclamation mark. It's a bit too much in my messages, but Paul uses it here, and he says it in my version in the New Living. He says, Thank God! <laughs> Thank God! once you were slaves to sin but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you why because they've opened their hearts to God why because God says this in Ezekiel 11:19 I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them who's doing it God I will take away their stony stunted or no, stony stubborn <laughs> heart and give them a tender responsive Heart. I love that. Who does the work? God. Who makes the change? God. Who does the transforming and the restoring? God. How, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe you paid the price for my sin. Jesus, I know that before God, before you, I was guilty. That God could look at my heart and find within it. Selfishness and impurity and a hardness where God didn't even feature and I deserved judgment. My secret life was a mess. My heart was a mess and there was nothing I could do about it but here's what I believe in my heart. Jesus, you paid the price for my sin. You died yeah. but you rose again and you ascended to heaven and you're alive and I'm putting all my faith and my trust in you. Take control of my life. Be number one in my heart. And the Bible tells us this, that when we do that, we are saved. We're transformed. And we're changed and transformed from the inside out. We must not think we can do it from the outside in. The change can only happen from the inside out. A true change of heart changes everything. Just got one short clip to show. It's from The Grinch. I thought I could get away with it. Since we're in December. But it's a scene from The Grinch. It's towards the end of the film. And those of you who don't know, The Grinch hates Christmas. He's like the Dr. Zeus Scrooge. Where Dickens has Scrooge, Dr. Zeus has The Grinch. And he's decided in the, the town of Whoville on Christmas Eve, it's based on a true story, obviously, <laughs> that he goes and he'll steal all of the presents From the village and from the town of Hooville, take it up to the mountain where he lives in a cave, and he'll keep it away from them all because his cold, stony heart hates Christmas and hates them. He's been hurt, and now he's trying to bring them all down with him. But then something changes. We Play the film, thanks. It's another subtle performance from Jim Carrey there. (laughs) But I just love that picture, that image of his heart being changed. And just in closing, for the singers and the musicians, if you'd come come up to the stage, please. And if you could ask you just to stand together. I don't know where every heart is in the room today. I don't know every person here. But I do know this, God knows your heart. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.